This episode is brought to you by Levitt Pavilion. This summer, check out one of my favorite outdoor concert venues in Denver, Levitt Pavilion. May through October, Levitt is offering ticketed and totally free all-ages concerts. I feel like we just go to anything that's free because it's like the kids can be at the show and it's people aren't weird about it and you can like bring a picnic. It's awesome. Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Chali Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver. We've got a brand new mayor entering office on Monday, and according to Westward editor and founder Patty Calhoun, that means it's his job to get Denver's mojo back. So me and producer Paul Caroli are sitting down with Patty to talk through some of her best ideas for Mayor Mike, from tackling downtown's hellhole problem to that dang empty lot at Colfax and Broadway. How are you going to fix that, Mike? For real. Today is Wednesday, July 12th. I'm Bree Davies, and here's what Denver's talking about. Patty Calhoun, welcome back to CityCast Denver. It's my pleasure. It's been a while. We're glad to see you. We're here in the Westward offices again, just for fun, hanging out. Paul, you're here as well. Hey, Bree. Hey. Love being back. Yeah, I do too. Nice energy in here. We get to see some of our old friends. So, But we're talking about Mike Johnston because he's going to be inaugurated on Monday. He's the first new mayor we've had in 12 years. And that means it's his job, as you've put it, Patty, to help Denver get its mojo back. But let's start with that. Like, what do you think is wrong with us now? How did we lose what we had? It's so interesting because we did this whole feature last year on how Denver lost its mojo and what we needed to do to get it back. Part of it was the pandemic, of course. Yeah. Who who got mojo at all during the pandemic? But also by July 2022, you were like, we are tired of Michael Johnston. We've had the same mayor for a long time. Oh, Mike, you're tired of Michael oh, Hancock? Oh, Michael Hancock. Hey, that's not going to be the first time someone does that. <laughs> I've typed it about four times. We're tired. <laughs> so we'd had the same mayor for 12 years. We hadn't seen a lot of him during the pandemic. And that was one of my concerns a year ago was there was the whole n- narrative, Denver and decay, don't go downtown. Whereas if you yeah. went downtown, clubs were hopping, restaurants were doing well. The Golden Triangle, where we are, the museums are packed. So I thought, why isn't Michael Hancock, then the mayor, still the mayor till Monday, why isn't he out there every night or afternoon tweeting, here's a live thing, where they are. So that's one of my recommendations right now to show people it is not scary to go downtown. If you were downtown yesterday, you saw the whole Viva Streets where people were, and the most successful On partly Sunday, because yeah. it didn't, yeah, because mm-hmm. it didn't rain. Yeah. And, but that you had people all over downtown again, you can go there, but In July 2022, there was really a strong feeling that you just couldn't go downtown. It was scary. And anyone who was downtown knew that wasn't really the case unless you were in certain blocks that were always scary. Well, and I just want to clarify, like what we're talking about here is Mojo is like the feeling in the city that it's cool to be here, that we like to be here, that we like ourselves, that we like being Denver. That we're high on Denver. And Denver always had enjoyed a really great reputation around the country. And we've kind of lost that. We lost we'd lost it a year ago. Part of affordability, part of just people talking about the homelessness issue when every city has that. But 
even though people were still moving here, it wasn't like during the recession when we were the number one place for millennials to go, because that was like, if I'm going to be poor, I'm going to be poor in Denver where I can do creative things. Now the, the people who have moved here, because you could work remotely, it's like, I don't have to go out, I can go to the mountains and I can afford it because I'm working remotely as an IT person. Totally. So totally. it's a different group of people moving here. But it's also just like this. So we're going to be talking now about what our new mayor, Mike Johnson, can do to help change that narrative. Right. Yeah, and these are super fun ideas. I mean, Patty, these are your. I, let's let's get into them. Yeah. Let's talk about a few of them. Uh, I'll pull one off. This was maybe the one I was most excited about, uh, Patty. You want to give meaning to the mayor's award for arts and name one after Joyce Meskis. You know, this just came to me a while ago. If you look at the mayor's award for the arts, it is almost always the Hall of Fame. It's people who've been doing things for a very long time. But I was thinking about an unsung hero of Denver, especially right now, when you think about where we're not as strong as we were a year ago. First Amendment free speech issues, given the 303 creative decision, a Colorado case went to the U.S. Supreme Court. We should push what a sanctuary we are for sp free speech. And no one pushed it more than Joyce Meskus. She was, was the longtime owner of Tattered, Tattered Cover, Cover a which free we, speech champion. Right. Nationally. I mean, she went to the mat. She refused to give up her customers' reading records, the books they bought. I mean, that was – she. the cops came to her and she said no, and she deserves to be championed more. Another thing on that line, I thought maybe we also need to bring back – to literally get all of Denver on the same page, one book, one city. That was a great project when it was going. Uh, you recommend a book huh. people should read. Oh. And it just kind of died. Hickenlooper had it going. So Hickenlooper was recommending a book and people would all read it? Yeah. And, and it was then, 10 years ago. And we actually even had idea. one, uh, Bill Owens did, recommended a one state, one book. But it just kind of went by the wayside, partly because it's not easy to choose one. But it's I getting everybody to read the same same book. Which helps conversations about where we are. Right, exactly. And especially they're good Colorado authors. They're good books about Colorado. Well, before we leave the books and Joyce Meskis, there's been a development at Tattered Cover that is kind of connected to this. I want to hear your take on And that's they hired a new CEO who's taking the job after uh, Kwame Spearman left it to run for mayor. And he's not going back to Tattered. So now they hired this new Republican lawyer who's, I guess, a free speech advocate in his own right. So they kind of swung back to the Joyce Meskis style of, I don't know, what do you think? I'm very optimistic about it. Now, I mm -hmm. have to say, I met Dempsey, who the new CEO, drinking with Kwame Spearman at the Denver Press Club. Really? So first of all, that he would be at the Denver Press Club. He's a Golden-based attorney. But that he was there showed, you know, he cares, cares about press, cares about media. He's also an expert in doing some turnaround and some bankruptcy issues. So I think it'll be great because he knows it's a treasure. It's a Colorado treasure. I would put that on Mike Johnston to do something with Tattered Cover to make sure it survives, but I think they can take care of themselves for now. Interesting. Wow, you got me optimistic about it. I love that. Bree, you want to take one? Um, I mean, I think the arts, you've kind of already touched on it, but uh, just uh, we have a great art scene. Patty, you know this from covering it for decades. I know it th through in and out and you know, Meow Wolf has come here, which gave us a lot of clout on the national stage. But even before that, we've been um, at the forefront of all different, you know, from stage to from theater to music to, um, you know, our immersive, immersive experiences, also just our tr more traditional arts uh, museums. And 
I have to say, I think um, this is something that I think our mayor can champion even more. And I, I would, I'm optimistic about it because I was over the weekend was at the uh, Desert Rider Dreaming in Motion exhibit at the dam, and I ran into none other than Mayor Elect Mike Johnston, and he was there in a be a good person shirt, and he had just rules. yeah, he he tapped me on the shoulder and was like, hey, nice shirt. I had the Denver Made shirt on, and he had just bought a Denver Made hat, which is a great brand out of here. We just had a really quick conversation, you know. He was just really excited about the arts in general. And I said, you know, the nightmare idea is great. And he said, oh, I just met with Stefan Brackett. And I said, you should talk to Santi Jaramillo in, D- in uh, Westwood about D3 arts if you're looking for these different areas where we can push the arts. And he was talking about how much he just loves our murals and he wants to see them on every block. And I, I, I don't know. I think it means something when you see somebody in a space like that. Right, because he's not running. He is, go- he is elected. He doesn't yeah. have to win the vote. And when I talked about the mayor going out every night or every day to a place, it doesn't have to be a downtown restaurant. I mean, you could be at a museum. You could be, that event was great. It was great. You and need it was cool to get to out and show people there are wonderful things. And that was really a hit. That show was great. But just that they did the Lowrider show. Yeah. Outside during the day. Our new, our new mayor to be hanging out. Again, he was alone. He wasn't like with a big group of people. He was just enjoying the exhibit. So I don't know. I think I have a lot of. I have a lot of optimism for support of the arts in a more uh, community-centered way. Uh, Brie, you mentioned the nightmare idea and Stefan Brackett. Patty, that's on your list too, this nightmare thing. We should talk about that more. I don't know if people really are familiar with what that would entail. They will be soon, I think, because hmm. uh, in fact, Stefan Brackett is doing a mixed taste at the holiday for the MSCA next week. But the nightmare concept came up a lot. It started getting pushed after the shootings in July, just a year ago, in um, right on Larimer Street. And part of it is, who do you go to? Remember the response was, let's ban the food carts, which yeah. hardly yeah. seemed like a constructive thing. We in our Mojo package last year had suggested, and it's been talked about for decades, rolling let out, which is let some bars stay open later so not everyone comes out at two in the morning Mm -hmm. and congregates in parking lots because that's when the trouble happens. Have some open till four, have some open till five, have people, it's a rolling let out. They didn't take our advice on that. Oh, Oh, I know it's been looked into before. Polis has been interested. But the nightmare would be a person who watches the nighttime economy of Denver. So it wouldn't just be the club's downtown. It would be anything that say open after six. So when things happen, you have an office you can call. And when you have someone maybe who's having problems with parking or towing or heaven forbid, another shooting, that person would get involved early, that office, in figuring out, is there a solution? Is there a fix? And making sure the right message is going out and that they are not just banning food food trucks. So this would be like a city office, like Johnston could appoint someone like Brackett to be the nightmare. And right. It would be exactly. his job. To... You could, it, okay. could be, it would be a mayoral appointee, whether it's on its own, whether it's under safety, whether it's under excise and licenses. It would really be up to him. There are at least 15 cities around the country that have this, including New Orleans. And the guy there who does it is from here. So huh. we talked, we interviewed him for a cover story back in June because it just seems at the very least we have to acknowledge how important our nighttime economy is and the arts and the theater and the restaurants and the places you can go that make Denver really special. And just make sure those people are getting some attention and answers from the people they need. 
Well, Patty, I have to ask you about permitting. Permitting, I know you've been dealing with personally, but I actually don't understand what the problem is with the permitting office. I've just heard people talk about it a lot. Well, what we've heard is how long it takes to get permitted for so many different things. I mean, any construction project, you need to get permitted. And it's not just maybe by one office, it's other offices. Like you can have water, you can have fire if you're building a building. So we've heard complaints for decades about permitting. And sometimes it gets better and sometimes it gets worse. But we've never heard of it being as bad as it is right now. Both Mike Johnston and Kelly Bruff talked about it. It was a major issue during their campaigns. Now, do we care about permitting, getting better so we can build more huge monolithic apartment buildings? Or do we care because people are trying to build maybe their accessory dwelling unit or fix something on their historic home, like the roof that just (laughs) collapsed, and you can't get a permit? So on top of it, it's slow. That's an issue. Mm -hmm. But then maybe... There's some issues with competency. So I'm referring to the Hmm. Park Hill golf course fence issue. Okay. Kyle Harris, who used to work at Westward, who writes for Denver right now, he had done a story about how the Park Hill um, owners of the Park Hill golf course were in violation and had been cited by the city because they didn't have a fence permit. This is last week. Turns out they had a fence permit. It was from Parks and Rec, and it had just been misfiled in the city. Oh, no. So Kyle had to rewrite the story. It wasn't and his fault. And that's got to be like the biggest permitting issue you don't want to have is with the Park Hill Golf Course. Like there's yeah. enough controversy oh, over it without getting goodness. it wrong. Yeah, listeners, I mean, if somehow, if someone's coming to this story new, I don't, it's, it's a hundred-year-old controversy, really. But I think the most recent development that's worth mentioning is that voters – Denver voters just recently uh, said no to the developers' plans to build mixed-use housing and parkland on this well, site. Well, and lift, yes. Right. Um, and so uh, it's currently lift just a, an a, abandoned golf course. Well, still. and the developers are putting Defunct. up fences around it. Which yeah. means folks that live around it can't just they've go been in. They've using go it kind of as a makeshift park because it had been abandoned. Right. Basically. They'd been using it for years while yeah. the whole debate over what was going to happen to the property went on. But now the developers are putting up fences. They're talking about liability, whatever. Maybe it's sour grapes too. But the fact is those fences were legally permitted. The city just lost them. So, Mayor no Mike, can oh you just- gosh buy the Park Hill Golf Course back from Westside well, and make it a about, park. <laughs> he's talked about it. The big issue will be what you would have to pay to that's, get That's it. My, yeah. what I'm curious about. How do you price it? Because like the community is like so pushing back on the plans that were presented and everyone has kind of a different idea. And now anything that is proposed would have to be voted on by the, the whole city. So like, what is it worth? I, I honest, I have no idea what offer that Mike Johnston could make what the dollar amount is. Right, because they paid $24 million, Yeah, the the current owners. Which was I, a sweetheart deal. Yeah, which especially for that what the, they had proposed the building. Issues, right? People were suspicious of what the city was giving away for that right. amount. But now, do we want to pay $24 million for that now? That's the question. Hmm. So it's going to be tough. My idea was to put Elitch's there, but then Paul pointed out nobody's really going to want to be next to a roller coaster. So I am. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you are. are you I'm next to No, I'm next to I live Gardens. right over Elitch Gardens. Okay. Cool. It's very nice. Huh. Just a thought. Well, or Top Golf. You know, you never know what's going to be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Top Golf. <laughs> Those right, are bigger right. fences. They're going to have to get more more rules on that. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. 
I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade. Hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. Uh, Bree, it's your turn. What do you want to talk about next? Uh, maybe safety. I mean... <laughs> What a giant term that means so many subjective, it's subjective to, to every degree. But um, I think one thing that Mike Johnson talked about, I think all of the candidates did pretty much was the expansion of the STAR program. I'm really looking for that. If that could be immediately implemented in some way to um, take the burden off the police department, which we already know is uh, under, they need to hire a ton, right? Well, maybe we put some of that towards expanding the star program because I in my neighborhood in the west west side of Denver you can't call star and I was talking to some friends about it the other day they're like we have a pretty regular unhoused woman that hangs out in our alley and you know we have conversations hmm. with her and stuff and um there was a point where she was like can you call the police for me and they were like could we call star instead and uh so if Mike was able to just get on that immediately I feel like that would be an easy win I also think faster time and I don't know how you do this that quickly but you need to 911's time can't remember which TV station just did a study so 911 time is very slow and those those can be life threatening issues and if 911 is slow 311 where's a lot of the 911 calls should probably go those are really slow so it's how citizens can really figure out who they need to talk to talk in a fairly reasonable time frame and of course with 911 reasonable is quick when you really need it. So expansion of STAR is great. You know, we have the AIDS Center that started, which is also kind of a STAR-like program, which is kind of one-stop shopping for people who are suffering homelessness or other issues. So expand the programs that don't require trained police officers and maybe let trained police officers, oh, stop some of the speeders on Colorado Boulevard and the places where we have drag racing going on. Can I ask you, Patty, so this is so anecdotal to me, but like I live near a busy intersection that is frequented. Alameda and Federal are both strips for speeding, for speeding and racing, drag racing. And is this a new problem or is this been a build-up problem, but like I feel like I can't actually can't go anywhere in the city where people aren't speeding like crazy. I think it's built up during the pandemic. We that's anecdotal, but from driving hmm. around, it's true. And I twenty five. I mean, I would have to look over what is the responsibility of the highway patrol. I mean, state mm -hmm. patrol. Right. What is the responsibility of the city? But there's no question that you have speeders, and not just speeders, but probably intentional drag racing speeding. I see totally. that a lot more than I used to. But on Colorado Boulevard, on Federal, I'm seeing it too. And I was this, like, just start clocking all those people, ticket them, and use that money to enhance the pedestrian infrastructure around the right, or hire some people to answer nine one one when yeah. the calls come in. So, but I do think we've fallen down on ticketing on things like that. It used to be you could tell when people had their quotas because you'd be going one mile an hour over on Spear and you'd get pulled over. I haven't seen anyone get pulled over in a long time. Well, we talked about infrastructure a bit there. Patty, I know you got some ideas on that topic. Maybe we could talk about um, the Colfax and Broadway lot. I don't, I'm, I'm not actually familiar with that. Can you, what is that? 
This is, it gets into image too. You will think about it as soon as you, you're driving down Broadway, okay. hit, about to hit Civic Center, and on your left, so there's the Civic Center, the mark, the station, mm-hmm. and then right there is an fenced off Garden of Rocks. It's a big Garden of Rocks. Oh, yeah. And when RTD redid Civic Center Station, they didn't get this part. So here you are at the center of the Golden Triangle, right opposite the Capitol. And it Kitty looks Corner. Like- it looks Horrible. Garbage. The problem is not, and you do <laughs> have a lot of homeless people. You're so right. <laughs> but people suffering homelessness, sign flyers, you find a lot of them there, but maybe that's because there isn't anything else there. But how about uh, there's there's talk of building a museum at Denver, a Denver museum, because we don't have oh, one, and many idea. other cities do. There's big talk of putting museums there, building something, but make really make the Civic Center area great by getting rid of that and putting some real function on it. I mean, I'd love to just see a giant public restroom there personally. Hmm. Or even a, a park or, or a, park. a public, you know, a, something, a garden where you can grow things and, you know, you can fence things off because they've got new dog parks that are fenced off. True. But that is just an embarrassment. It is really gross. And when you talk about images, that's one that would be wonderful right by City Hall to yeah. fix. All right. Well, there you go, Mr. Johnston. That's what we're looking for, something to spruce up that lot. And I think, I'm not sure who owns it. I probably should fact check that. But the mayor, he's the mayor soon. He can find out. He'll know. Um, Bree, how about you? Let's do one more. Well, I want, I'll bring up one, if okay. that's okay. Oh, yeah. And this, I've been talking to a lot of people over the last year, really, about this with the whole mojo issue. And one friend has always wanted to push the Mile High Mile, so a citizen's run along the 16th Street Mall, which, when it started, was exactly a mile. Now it's a little longer. Huh. But as a welcome back, assuming, God willing, the mall construction is ever finished, have a citizen's race along the mall. Like just, a running race? Well, yeah. But you're just running. You're sprinting. And other cities, I'm not sprinting other down cities the 16th do it. Street Mall. Well, when it's you reopened, don't know when it's done. It might uh, look amazing. It might look great. Because I think they're going to level it all out. Parties on both sides. Why not? I do think the 16th Street Mall needs some fresh ideas. But I, I always go back to what um, Leslie Harrod proposed during the campaign when she was running for mayor. She had this idea to turn the 16th Street Mall into something more like the airport, where the Hancock administration has gone through these all these efforts to like get iconic local businesses that have, are very successful. To to open small versions like franchises in the airport. Like they have a oh. uh, Denver Central Market there with the Pizzeria Vero. They have uh, they have a Voodoo Donuts there now, although I wouldn't say that's a local business, but it is certainly successful here. More of an independent here. style chain. Or, or more yeah. to the point, what they do is they have the people who have a lock on the concessions at the airport franchise with those local businesses. That's how it's working. But oh, it would be great to do that. But they could do that on, on the mall. mall. Isn't and that a great idea? And you could still run right past them during the mile high mile. But uh, there's there's no question you need businesses maybe. that are a reason to go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And uh, well, we, we've, we've done a little tour with uh, Molly Martin, your food mm-hmm. editor here at Westward. And she's introduced us to some really good restaurants on the 16th Street Mall. And it's like changed my perception genuinely. I was like, oh, totally. Like, I'm going to take my family down there to go to Sophia's, the pizza place. Because I went home and was like, oh my God, this place is so amazing. And my husband's like, let's go check it out. I don't know the last time I was like, let's willingly go to the 16th Street Mall. Well, you have so to have a destination pretty much yeah. now because you don't, you're, you're jogging around all the different construction. Yeah. But once that's all done, this and- isn't my idea. This is from the Denver subreddit, Casa Bonita East. 
<laughs> I mean, they honestly could have a merch store there and do fine. They would crush. Just get that brand on there. Just get a. Oh, South, that is a, a very good South idea that I'm stealing experience. right now. Heck yeah. Why not a South Park immersive experience? Ooh, well, like you know, too. the immersive like museum too. is opening there. Oh, that's right. So there are things coming museum. on the 16th Street Mall, but we should welcome it back somehow. You will not be in the race. I can see that, Paul. <laughs> no but way. we funny. are going to think the only about that. runner on this team. So. <laughs> so he knows what he's talking yeah, about. He's like, but- absolutely mm-hmm. not. Uh, should we talk about housing? Yeah, housing. I mean, that was the biggest issue in the campaign. Yes. That's what a lot of people care about. People want to see a new direction here. Housing is one of those that to say I'm going to come in in the first 10 days and have a great idea. One is he obviously has to deal with the property tax issue for Denverites who have managed to keep their homes but aren't going to be able to pay that big property tax bill come December when they find out how huge it's going to be. But the other thing I'm hearing a lot about, and I think he needs to step up, is he had talked about solving homelessness, or at least getting it under control in his first term. He needs to do that, and that involves building all those tiny house areas. So he needs 20, to, 20 micro communities. He is what needs he's to announce a few of those and the locations early to prove they're coming, I think. And that'll take, Hmm. well, I think he needs to because people are doubting he'll be able to do that. But also, Patty, like, how are we going to get these in more neighborhoods? Like, how much of a fight has been put up in so many neighborhoods? My neighborhood hosted one without any struggle, but I just wonder how that part's going to go. Right. And he needs, for a fast win, he's going to need to prove he's got one worked out. That's true. Maybe he does. Maybe he's got one. He's just going to announce that day. This is the thing I'm most eager to see how he handles it. Because he's this plan that he's laid out, Big it's problem. very ambitious. Mm-hmm. He says he's got the funding for it. But where do the micro communities go is still murky. And we all know it's going to be a big fight. Right. And so I would say that's one. If we see that he's worked out a compromise with a neighborhood you wouldn't expect early on, that'll be a big win that gets people moving along. Yeah. Okay. Feel good. Maybe Park Hill Golf Course. Hey, maybe. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> uh, well, that's a lot of ideas for uh, Mayor-elect Mike Johnston. Like we said, he's going to be inaugurated on Monday. Um, good luck. Enjoy. Those are free ideas, Mr. Johnston. Yeah, they'll <laughs> be on our website on Wednesday. Well, today. We'll link to that in the show notes. Thanks awesome. so much, Patty. Yeah, Thank thanks, you. Patty. With Mike Johnston's inauguration coming up on Monday morning, we're definitely going to be talking about this more. So what do you think Mayor Mike should do first? Is there an empty lot in your neighborhood where you think he should build a micro community or maybe a roller coaster? Leave us a voicemail with your name and neighborhood and you might hear it on the show. The Mayor Mike hotline is 720-500-5418. Again, you can reach us at 720-500-5418. And here's what else Denver's talking about. After Bree and I talked on Tuesday's show about Taylor Swift's sold-out concerts at Empower Field this weekend, we got this text from a listener. Quote, Hey CityCast Denver, Emily here, big fan of y'all, and even bigger Denver Swifty, who's incredibly blessed to have a ticket to Saturday's show. Congratulations, Emily. I love y'all and love the question, but there's absolutely no way Taylor gets dinner with John Mayer. They are famously on bad terms, and she even recently wrote a scathing song about him that came out on her newest original album, Midnight's, which dropped last fall. However, 
Denver Swifties are very convinced that there will be some mingling between Taylor and Paramore this weekend, as the re-record that dropped last week featured Haley Williams, and Paramore is at Ball Arena on Thursday. So maybe Taylor and Haley will get dinner. And my prediction is McCoy's Diner, because why not? Thanks for all you do. What an incredible text, Emily. Thank you so much for writing in and for listening. I obviously have to defer to you, and I amend my question for other listeners. Where in Denver are we most likely to see Taylor getting dinner with Haley Williams this weekend? Let us know on the Denver Era hotline. That number is 720-500-5418. Again, the Denver Era hotline is 720-500-5418. And here's some more news Swifties can use. RTD is going to be running special lines this weekend for concert goers, so watch out for extra buses and trains out there. Also, if you don't have a ticket, please don't join the party in the parking lot outside Empower Field. Stadium officials must have heard about the crowds of Swifties gathering outside the venues at other tour stops because they're laying down the law. Unless you've got a ticket, you are, quote, highly discouraged from tailgating this weekend. And finally, for the record, my favorite Taylor era is folklore. I love the song about the house because it's reminiscent to me of one of the great Western novels, the Pulitzer winning Angle of Repose by Wallace Stegner. I won't get into that more here, but if you know, you know. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell Haley Williams about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye-bye. it mike for real <laughs> poor guy <laughs> we're already here to harass the new mayor and he's not even in office yet <laughs> <laughs>